to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your humble, happy hosts, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. It's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the continuation of what we started a couple of days ago. You know, a lot of what we talked about and we're talking about today, guys, is about nuanced communication. It's basically about learning how to evolve what you say so that essentially people will be more receptive to what you're saying. Make sense? Well, it does, and yet none of us do it, or very rarely do we do it. There's been lots of studies that have shown that uh, essentially the most effective communicators use the fewest words. Isn't that interesting? And here's another thing that's interesting. If you guys have ever studied etymology, and etymology is in essence the study of words, what happens over time is that words actually are complicated. Words go away. In other words, we as a species – We'll simplify things. We break things down to their basic elements, and that's what we carry forward as our communication patterns. So what we're doing, what we're hoping to do is help you guys realize how some of the things that you might be saying, or in some ways, in some cases, some of the ways you might be saying what you're saying, is actually making it so that you are less effective at communicating. Uh, and what we're focusing on primarily, obviously, because our job is to help you guys make money, help people, are the words that a lot of us have uh, really, I think, are using in the sales process that are truly, absolutely, positively things you need to purge from your vocabulary. Um, and so we left off uh, two days ago, and um, the last uh, point I think we had was point number eight. And so we're going to pick up at point number nine. Before we do, Julie, any shout-outs or any interesting acknowledgments you'd like to throw out there to all of our literally tens of thousands of listeners? Any emails you've received recently worth noting? Uh, nothing specific on my screen right now, although I will summarize the combination of lots of great feedback from my Essentials, which is now Premier Coaching class. You know, we ha we've had a lot of discussion about dealing with closing delays and scripts to handle sellers and management of listing inventory that's taking longer than they would like to sell and all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to let all of them know, because I've got a lot of emails that are all kind of that same topic, how much I appreciate them being coachable and really taking those clients you know, aside and saying, yes, absolutely, I'm going to do everything that I've always done to sell the homes that I've always sold, and here are the market conditions, and using all the things that we talk about in the class to not just get business in the first place, but to keep it. That's important, too. You know, We always joke it's important to be the listing agent at the time the house actually closes. So we had some discussion about that last week, and that was fun, and they're really running with it. So that's my combined shout-out to all of them. I have a lot of similar experiences, and you know, guys, you need to be know, you need to be told, need to be clear on this, that this time of year we're at sort of a, I, I say, a crossroads for a lot of you. And here's what happens, and and I know this from Julie and I have been in real estate. We sold real estate. We obviously have been in coaching for a long time. So this is the time of year where you're going to see a lot of, you know, though they won't label themselves as part timers, people that are not essentially, you know, full time in the real estate business financially or any other way, they get out of the business. It you'll start seeing if you guys go to your office or whatever, and I know some of you don't, but if you do, you'll start seeing that there's no cars in the parking lot. Yeah, you'll start seeing that in some cases, real estate offices will actually say they're putting themselves on holiday hours. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people do. Um, or some agents just simply stop working. They just literally don't follow up on leads or anything else. So there's a lot of agents. There's 1.2 million. 
million members of the National Association of Realtors. You know, people guess there's probably another million people that are real estate agents that aren't members of National Association of Realtors. Who knows what that is, you know, if that's true. So hypothetically, there's two million agents out there. Two million people have a real estate license out there. And I would venture a guess, in all seriousness, that at least 90% of them are effectively out of the business uh, mentally and emotionally and then, of course, financially you know, starting in about 30 days. And so the challenge you're going to have is not being one of those people, because here's what they set themselves up for. You know, obviously a lot of them don't even come back into the business the following year. They just fail out. 90% or plus, 95%, I've read different things, of um, every licensee fails within 36 months or less. I mean, think about that for a second, guys. Well, why is that? It's because they, A, don't evolve their skills. D, B, they don't, you know, frankly, take it seriously and they just look at this as some sort of like hobby business, and and I guess that's fine if that's what you choose, and if you know you find people that are willing to do business with you, well then, you know God bless you. But for the vast majority of agents out there, the cycle that they create for themselves, and it starts this time of year, and this is the big challenge, is because they uh, let off, because they don't stay focused, because they don't have a fourth quarter plan, because they aren't really actively trying to improve their skill set and their mindset, they have terrible first quarters the following year. So, guys, if some of you, a lot of you, have been listening to us for a long time. You know, we have over 100,000 regular listeners, and so every single one of you, please internalize this. You right now, you have effectively already started your next year. It's already started. Congratulations. Happy New Year. You've been hearing Julie and I say this to you on the radio for the last two weeks and because it's really critical that you get it. If you start working now, now, we're not asking you to, you know, blow up the holidays. We're not asking you to work every day, every weekend. There's lots of time off you have looking forward. Use the real estate treasure map, uh, those of you guys who are coaching clients, or if you've not downloaded that yet, we're going to give it to you for free. Just complete the form that's right there on your mobile device or in your iPhone or your iPad, and you get that real estate treasure map book along with five other books just for filling out that form. And when you do, uh, we're going to call you back and let you know about the premier coaching program that, frankly, everyone's talking about. So uh, look forward to that call. And by the way, when they, uh, someone from our office calls you back, they're also going to help you get started on the real estate treasure map. So there's me uh, many benefits of uh, filling out that form and then obviously taking the call when they call you back. But here's the big takeaway. The relationships that you start now, the conversations you start now, primarily with sellers, are going to be the ones that will pay you in the spring. If you've wondered why, and real estate brokers and office managers, you guys need to get this. If you've wondered why fourth quarter, I'm sorry, first quarter is usually such a struggle for agents, it's because they blow this quarter off. Look, guys, you have to be working now. You have to be, you know, take a schedule, mark off the days you're going to be working in the next 90 days, the days you're not. Most of you are going to be working, you know, if we're lucky, you're going to be working another 45 days this year. Mark those 45 days off, look at the calendar, realize you're going to have you know, all kinds of time off, and on those days, actually make a focused effort to make contacts, primarily with sellers. And I promise you, this is the easiest time of year to do it. You'll get more contacts because people are home, because a lot of people take time off, you know, normal civilian types. You'll find that you have virtually no competition, and there's also always a spike and expired. There's always a spike in uh, for sale by owners that stop trying. There's always a spike in people that, you know, because they're taking a breath from the year, they're having conversations about, well, maybe we should buy a different house next year. Or people are just curious about their house values. I mean, real estate becomes a topic. And when you call these guys, when you, you know, and there's about a billion other ways we want you to communicate with them in addition to calling, when you do that, you're going to find that they'll be very receptive. You'll be, what will really be shocking to some of you 
is how there's no real competition. There's no noise. You wait into the spring like everybody else. You start doing some a little bit of calling. You start doing some popovers and pop buys and direct mailing. And guess what? Somebody else says. Everyone else is doing the exact same thing. And your message is lost. This time of year, no. They're going to hear you. It's going to resonate with them. You're going to have that contact. You're going to have that relationship. And when the, you know, say January, February next year starts, you're going to have listings versus getting started again next quarter or first quarter of next year and not having any business until the summer. You guys get it? You can break the cycle. when you Just think how happy, how powerful, how amazing it will be going into the year with business, with lots of listings. How much better would you feel? This is all in your control. It's all happening right now. And look, guys, this is an election year. It always creates consternation in people's – they just use it as an excuse. It's a fear thing. Now we're talking about mortgage interest rates going up again. Now we're talking about housing markets slowing down. So there's all kinds of headwinds. And if you get your skills on and when you're calling these people and when they – you know, your clients, and they ask you questions and you have the answers and we tell you exactly how to say it and how to say it – you will attract more business to you than you can possibly imagine. You will not find a better, frankly, easier way for you guys to help people and make money than there is being in the real estate business this time of year. Take it seriously. I, I mean, honestly, take it seriously. Take it as seriously as you could possibly can, realizing that your 2017 has already started. Julie, can I can I be more uh, clear on <laughs> no, that point? No, I mean, it, it really is. We talk about this all the time that, you know, it is – probably the number one indication how your year is going to go, how your January and February go. If those are terrible, you're going to feel behind, you're going to feel frustrated, you're going to want to throw in the towel to the next year or at least till spring and then it'll be till school's out and then it'll be after the summer. Exactly. You know, it's like this it's like a uh, a recycling of excuses mill. Um but it starts in the beginning of the year. So if you can do what it takes now to avoid that happening, I mean, that's going to set you up for success next year. No matter what your market does, no matter what interest rates do, no matter how the election goes, oh, matter. Working, working hard and doing the things that you don't want to do when you don't want to do them at a high level right now, that's your insurance policy that next year is going to rock regardless of outside factors. That's taking control. And I think sometimes, Tim, that's why agents avoid it is because that's, you know, it's a high level of accountability for fourth quarter when maybe they're not feeling accountable. But that's exactly why you've got to do it. That's why it's called. Well, work. and it's not that much. It's not that much work. I mean, I mean, Julie, fourth That's quarter. Bad. You and I used to do in around Halloween. We'd always used to do our pumpkin thing. You know, Julie mm-hmm. and I had this. You know, it was her idea. It was a fantastic idea. We went to the local farmers. We bought a bunch of pumpkins. You know, it didn't cost us a lot of money. We got a. Um, we got the local elementary school to let us use their parking lot in their field, and we would sell the pumpkins. All the money from the pumpkins would, or the sale of the pumpkins would go to a local charity. We then had the epiphany: haha, let's involve other charities. So we pulled in American Red Cross, and the American Red Cross combined with our pumpkin drive. I have to, guys, it was unbelievable. I remember to this day, it was, you know, we literally had people, the, the cars were lined up outside on the street, just wanting to pull in and find a place to park. We didn't buy enough pumpkins. We'd sell out of the pumpkins every single year. Um, we had local, um, there was a, uh, Julie, do you remember that the tour bus that showed up from the uh, mm-hmm. local, um, yeah, there was a retirement community where, you know, people owned their own homes and they all piled into this big, huge coach and they were, you know, attendees. And, and then the American Red Cross had people wait. Guys, it was huge. And it only took us, I think, two or three Octobers to make it that famous. And because the Red Cross was involved, 
Um, the uh, local papers picked up stories or people taking pictures. We had Starbucks, uh, local Starbucks, donated coffee, put up a table. I mean, the thing was phenomenal. It was well, so much fun. The thing that made it fun was that we eventually figured out that combining all of our centers of influence, the charitable foundations that we like to mm-hmm. give to, our past clients, our centers of influence, with the pumpkin event, with the Red Cross who prospected for us to get even more people to show up, yep. that combination, it, it's really weaving the web of all of your contacts together into one really great, you know, some of our clients have done this up so that it's now a two-day event. That's a great way for you to connect and reconnect with your center of influence, your past clients, you know, all of your referral bases all at once. I mean, how much more efficient is that than making yourself be on the phone and hoping that somebody's home? It gets you well, but, out. It's a fun event. You know, it mixes it up. So that's what we uh, but to, highly but recommend. To your, but to your point. But to your point, Julie, and this is really critical. Not all of you can or will. Uh, you know, work the phones. And I get it. That's fine. That's still no excuse not to be drilling down this time of year. You know, there's so many different things you can be doing in your community, and people will remember it, and it'll make you feel good. It'll make you feel alive. It'll put you around other folks. You'll feel great about yourself. You know, it's interesting. I had um, a call the other day, and this coaching client of mine who I've had for a long time, they had this tonality in their voice that wasn't familiar to me. They're normally very you know, not I wouldn't say overly optimistic, but this person is very strategic and smart. And I just heard this tone, and I thought maybe he didn't get enough sleep, wasn't feeling well. And he said he's just feeling guilty. <laughs> I thought, well, that's interesting that he was that introspective to realize that was the emotion. So I asked him, well, what do you mean about that? What is what are you feeling guilty about? Explain. And he said, because I haven't been, I, I I've been carrying. This is his words in essence. He said, I've been carrying this burden around for the last two weeks. Uh, he was, uh, you know. Long story short, he he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing every day, and he knew it. And he wasn't just doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing in his what he was supposed to be doing in his business, but also in other aspects of his life. And he said he realized that essentially the accumulation of not doing what he was supposed to do is starting to make him feel guilty because he was not actually living up to his own personal minimum standards. And that feeling of guilt. I think ultimately, because he and I talked about that, you know, for his coaching call, was causing him a huge amount of stress. So until he realized that basically he could stop that feeling of guilt by essentially going back to the things that he knows he has to be doing every single day, whether he feels like doing it or not, remember, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Well, so guess what? He got back to it two, three days later, emailed me, says he feels all better, all the guilt is gone. So this is the time of year when if you guys have any of that sort of you know guilt, shed it free, get rid of it, start involving yourself in some of the things we talk about in the coaching program, get out there. Make it so that you're not, you know, you're not hunkering down. You're not turtling up fourth quarter. You're actually spinging up knowing that next year is going to be your best year ever. Guys, this is where it starts, I promise you. So we're talking specifically about the things that you can be saying and how you can be changing it. And we left off um, the other day uh, with, I think it was point number nine. So we're going to just jump right in. And I really love this next point. So important. All right. So point number 10, never say, and guys, this is going to raise some eyebrows. Never say sign the contract or sign the contract, please, or whatever version of that. Never say sign the contract. Purge that from your vocabulary forever. Now, contracts themselves in the past 20 years, the word contract, like a lot of these other words that we're trying to point out to you guys, have a different connotation than they used to. Contracts used to mean something, just like remember when mortgages used to mean something and the last thing you'd want to do is basically have a foreclosure and that all changed because of the real estate uh, bust? 
the word contract is part of that whole you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but the connotation of it, of it changed. Like when we, if you guys are, you know, in your 40s, like Julie and I, the word sale, we talked about this the other day. The word sale, when you see sale, you thought, you'd think, well, great, retail products now on, you know, with a slight discount, so I can buy what normally would have cost me two days ago, you know, 20 or 30% more, I can now buy it on sale. But now sale means something else, right? When you see sale, you don't even trust it, because you know retailers have been using yeah, that word and abusing right? it, doesn't it? It, right, exactly. It, it makes, so the word contract has the same connotation. So I want you to replace the word contract with okay it, approve it, authorize it, or you know, endorse this. So play with it. So if you guys are using DocuSign, listen, I'm going to send over a DocuSign, and I want you guys to just you know, go through it, okay it, authorize it, send it back, and I'll wait for you. Or if you're doing an old-fashioned paper contract, say the same thing. Now, there's another little funny script you can use, and you know some of you guys will love this, is that when you're sitting with somebody and they're signing either a digital contract or whatever, say, I'm about to make you famous. And they're going to say, what? Say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to ask for your autograph. Right? So have some fun with it. You don't have to make it so seriously, be so serious, but do uh, stop using the term sign the contract, please, because that does scare people. When you say words like that, you're going to see that they're going to pull back, and you might potentially lose the sale. All right, the next thing we wrote down, point number 11, <laughs> I'll tell you, the people that are most guilty of using this word are coaching clients in New York and coaching clients in L.A. I don't really hear this any other place in the country. Nope. Stop saying pitch. Guys, stop saying pitch. That's like a 1960s sales term that resonates with nobody. And you guys say it in front of the, your clients. You'll say, you know, I knew going we were gonna, I'm going to go out and I'm not on a pitch. What the hell is that? Stop saying it. Say presentation or consult or, or uh, what, what was it? Presentation confidential. or confidential. There you go. Confidential consultation. So don't say I need to schedule a pitch or don't you just purge that language from your from your vocabulary and just use the word presentation or conf, uh, confidential consultation. Don't say pitch. Again, a simple word that if you're not, you know, conscious of, you're not going to realize the impact that that simple word has on other people in a negative way. All right, so the next one, point number 12, Julie. Point number 12, never say, when do you plan on selling or when do you plan on moving? Replace it with, who do you know who plans on moving soon? If it's them, they'll tell you. There's something magical about that script, Tim. If you ask, who do you know who needs my help? It's less confrontational, I guess, is why it works so much better than just saying, when do well, you plan on moving? When do you plan on selling? Give them, give them the whole version then. So who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling that I should be helping? That's the whole version. So yeah, don't people say, are when more do you likely plan to moving? help you than to just right. give that to you, if it, even if it is them. And if it is them, they'll tell you. They're going to say, you know what? We're right. planning on it. We're, we're thinking about it right now. It's funny. You should ask. You'll get that. Right. So, so what does what the Tim and Julie script have going for it that the old script doesn't? Julie just pointed out the key words, right? So who do you know is less direct, which will resonate with most people. It won't offend them. It won't shock them. It won't scare them. So who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling? Okay, nice kind of direct but not so direct way of asking. Who I should be helping? Now, right there, when you close it with I should be helping, that becomes really, really powerful. Now, a way to amp that up is who are the you know who are the one to two or two to three people you know who are thinking about buying or selling that I should be helping? Very very powerful because when you give them a specific number, 
they will actually, <laughs> you'll see this happen, you'll actually see them stop and think. Versus, hey, are you thinking about buying or selling? No, get out of my face. Isn't that the natural reaction? Isn't that the very reaction? Do you guys remember, again, I'm going to take you back in time. Some of you are too young, but most of you aren't for this. You'd walk into the store, and the person would say, can I help you? And that was the start of an actual conversation. Now when you walk into the store and someone says, can I help you, it's annoying. You're going to say, well, it's nice and polite, but I realize they're just doing that you know, it's just something that they say. There's no real meaning behind it. See, it's changed, right? And yet the stores still say the same thing. Whereas if you walk into, and Julie and I have done this before, you walk into really good stores, they say, you know, what are you looking for today? Or what, you know, what, what's you the water. primary? Can I get you a glass of water? Right, exactly, those types of things. So there's changing up because they know that uh, folks are immune to the, you know, normal intro or normal way of starting a conversation to the point where people are annoyed because they've heard it so often. All right. So the next one, Julie is. All right. So the next one is never say problem. You say problem, you get an instant heart attack out of most people. We have a problem. How many times have agents called you listeners the other side and said, we've got a home inspection problem. We've got an, you know, a contract problem, a finance problem. Don't you immediately redline in your head? I know you do because we talk to you guys. Replace the problem. with challenge. We have a challenge. A challenge is something you can overcome. A problem is something that you hope your doctor never tells you, right? So replace problem with challenge and then present that and present a solution. Challenges have solutions. Problems stop that that thought process and makes, you know, makes people freak out. So cut that out. That's an easy one to fix. Challenge instead of problem. The next one, this one probably in point number 10, honestly, are my favorite points of this whole presentation we have for you guys. Oh, no, point number 18. I think that was my favorite one. All right, so this one, though, is really good. This is, again, a Tim and Julie original. So never say (laughs) – I just laugh every time I read this point and when I talk about on coaching calls. Okay, never say, guys, ever, 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 ever say lower your price. Never say drop the price and all the stupid other things you hear and read. Never say slash the price. cut. You know, when Drop. you guys are calling, when, when you're calling uh, for expired listings, you know, use lines, and these are all Tim and Julie originals, like, for example, Mr. Seller, sometimes the best homes don't sell, and it's not always the reasons you've been told, things like that. Don't write, go right for price. Don't talk about price. Don't talk about lowering price. Don't have conversations like that. It is fingernails on a chalkboard. When you tell a seller that they need to lower the price, even when they do, what happens is that is an immediate attack on their sense of security and oftentimes ego. Because why do sellers overprice? Ego. Because they think their property's priced more because it's theirs. That's their ego. And so if you go after them and tell them that their house isn't worth what they think, what you're in essence doing to them inside of their brains, in essence, their egos, are saying, you're telling me I'm not worth what I think. Get it? That's the actual connection. That's how their brains are wired. So you need to be sensitive to that. Some of you guys have this mindset. You're going to approach sellers and you're going to hammer them about price. And, you know, it's a blood feud and this big throwdown. And, oh, God, look at my 47,000-page CMA and all this crap. And I have an appraiser at a cost per square foot. And I have an appraisal degree. And don't you know who I am? Crap. doesn't matter. You guys' job is to help sellers and buyers, but help folks basically accomplish their goal. That's what a salesperson, and I know some of you don't like being called salespeople, but that is what we do. We help people solve the problem that they say that they have. So 
Here's what you replace it with. Never say lower price, drop the price, slash the price. Do not say anything even resembling those words replace with improve the price. Or my favorite one is adjust the price to more accurately represent the expectations of the buyers who are currently looking. So, Mr. Seller, listen, and here's the other one. And Julie modified the script, by the way. Uh, Mr. Seller, we need to adjust, we need to reposition the house in the market so that we more correctly reflect the market's expectations. I'll say it again. Mr. Seller, we need to reposition the house in the market so that we more correctly reflect the market's expectations. When you say that, when you hear those words, that doesn't feel confrontational, right? That doesn't piss you off, does it? Mr. Seller, we need to reposition the property on the market so we more correctly reflect the market's expectations. Well, okay, right? Reposition such a better word. Reposition, that sounds reality-based. That sounds like something I don't right. pay attention to. Exactly. Now, I don't have time to go into the rest of the script, but the most important thing is you guys stop using words like lower the price, slash the price, and you use words that are going to be more receptive uh, to the ears of the sellers so that you can help them solve their problem. If you find yourself having conversations with folks that result in a lot of drama, you are not doing your job. You are not effective at delivering a message that people don't necessarily want to hear because you're not delivering it in a fashion that they want to hear it. So you're not going to make any money. Put all these pieces together, listeners. It's not that complicated, it really, at the end of the day. All right, the next point is, okay, so, Julie, this one's good for you. Why don't you do 15 and 16? Sure, easy ones. Uh, number 15, never say objection. That sounds like you're in court and somebody's about to call you up to speak to the judge, right? So don't say objection. Oh, the, the people who looked at your house have these objections. No, replace it with the folks that saw your house today had a few areas of concern that may be affecting whether they want to write an offer or not. Area of concern. Again, this is something that can be addressed and overcome versus objection which instantly you know, puts the hair on the back of your neck up, right? So point number 16, never say customers. Well, let's, let's take a Go step ahead. back. On, in, in a listing presentation where you guys use, you know, where you screw this up, where you use the word objection, you'll be at the end of the listing presentation. The seller is basically going to say, I want to think about it, pray on it. I want to talk to whatever I want to know. In other words, they're not signing the contract. Okay, in those situations, some of you guys dig the hole deeper by asking them what objections that they have. That's actually in the script that, that some of you guys are using. that they become combative with you. Exactly. Okay. No. So, Mr. Seller, what are the – you know, at this point in the presentation, it's been my experience that when folks aren't ready to move forward with me or aren't quite ready to move forward with me, it usually comes down to one or two, uh, you know, areas of concern. So what are those areas of concerns that you have so we can adjust those – we can address those while I'm here? That's a hell of a lot nicer way of – basically mm -hmm. helping folks around the bend on whatever it is that their issue is, right? And when you follow the rest of the listing presentation, guys, and you followed it correctly from the beginning, generally speaking, you won't even have that issue at the end of the presentation. But if you do, you've got to be really careful that you don't dig the hole deeper. Notice, guys, I said, what are the one or two things that you, know, you might have uh, that are areas of concern of yours or might be areas of concern? And when you say it like that, again, they're going to be receptive and you're going to have a conversation that's going to result most likely in a positive outcome for you and for the client. Point number 16, I'll just go through this one, Julie, because I want to get through these last mm -hmm. two points. Point number sure. 16 is never say customers. The word customer uh, is like the word sell, uh, sold. You know, those words are obsolete old words. They don't resonate with people. The, you know, yeah, they're customers and they're clients and they're all these words, but you guys, get away from using those traditional sales words. They are, again, they've become, whether you know it or not, they've become 
fingernails on the chalkboard for many folks, and just replace with families or people served. You know, don't just say, you know, we've helped a thousand customers, you know, whatever. Say, listen, we've helped, you know, a thousand uh, families find their home, things like that. These are, uh, guys, I know that I'm playing with the language, but isn't that what effective communication is all about anyway, is knowing how to say things in such a way that the people will be receptive to hearing them? So just be willing to open up your mind to the possibility that – see, I'm trying to change my words to be less direct so you guys will be more receptive to what I have to say. Okay, same thing. All right, so uh, the last point, Julie, is my favorite point, and I'll give that one to you. All right, the last point is never say appointment replaced with a visit, a pop-by, a pop-by visit. I'll pop by today at 5 o'clock for a visit. Isn't that less confrontational and less serious sounding than let's set an appointment? No, I'm going to visit you. I'll pop by today. You might say I'm going to be in the neighborhood anyway. It would be my pleasure to pop by and visit with you around 5 o'clock. You know, who's going to say no to that? It's all about the approach. So many of you guys are so close to being able to set appointments, to negotiate, to get the things that you need to do for your business. But it's just a few words away for you. And changing the approach will make more people want to work with you more quickly versus using – I mean, I imagine, Tim, if agents were to use half of what we went over with these 18 points, if they're messing up 50% of this and they're saying things like deal and sold and contract and appointment. Sign the contract, please. Appointment, yeah. I mean, it's like your language is full of things making people want to run from you, not to want to sign with you. So this is something that's relatively easy to correct. None of these things are long, elaborate scripts. And if you go through the list and you just start practicing these on your daily phone calls, your daily visits and and pop-bys, say I didn't say appointment, then you're going to find that more people want to work with you. And throughout the transaction, it's just going to be an easier time because they want to be there. They want to have those conversations with you. They don't, they're not anxious to get off of the phone with you, which sometimes, you know, if you use words like objection and you know, drop the price, slash the price, you know. Uh, and I'm going to let's, – let's set an appointment, bye. you know, so we can talk about lowering your price. I mean, guys, well, seriously, it's not that thing. complicated. They're not going to say to you, hey, you know what? Your language is offensive to me. You're, you're really giving me a panic attack here. What they well, do they don't know. is they, they yeah. get off – it's a subconscious thing. They'll get off the phone faster. They will cancel your contract with you. They will not allow you to adjust the price. They're not going to tell you, hey, you know what? You're freaking me out here. Nobody says it like that. They just feel that way, and they want to get away from you. That's not good for your own economic bottom line when your job is to be a trusted real estate advisor and get paid as a result of your best efforts. So language does matter. Replacing just a few words with something better, try it out. See what happens. Just give it this next week and really work on this specifically and see what kinds of results. And I would love to get some emails on that from our listeners. Um, Jill, you had another little nuanced change of verbiage. You put it to me in chat during today's call, today's radio show. So Julie had another really good point. It is kind of a funny one. You guys, how many of you use the word flyer <laughs> when you're making a brochure for your seller's house? You know, I'm going to make some flyers. No seller is going to be happy with you making flyers. But if you basically call it a brochure, even if it essentially is just a one sheet, you'll be surprised how few of them have any objection to, you know, the one sheet. Versus if you say, well, here are your flyers, they're going to go like, this sucks. Why would you just make me a stack of, you know, one-page flyers? And you what? If you for give a them- flyer? 
Right. If you give them a stack of uh, the same exact thing and say, here's your stack of brochures, then all of a sudden they're not going to object. Guys, it's these tiny little things that make the biggest difference. Take this stuff seriously. Apply this stuff. Start, you know, I, Julia, every time you and I present something like this, I always get this vision. Now, most people listen to the whole radio show, but I know there's – because you and I have done live presentations before, and there's always the – usually it's a guy. Usually you know, they're sitting about three-quarters back of the crowd. They got their arms crossed, or they're basically just sort of paying attention. And you know, those people are the hardest nuts to crack, and you'll see that eventually after a couple hours, you'll see them start to relax a little bit. And then at the end of the presentation, they're always the ones that come up and say, I absolutely hated you two hours ago, yeah. but now I, I, because you were telling me things I didn't want to hear, but now I understand what you were doing and how you were saying it, why, da, 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 and they become your raving fans. But it's always those people, it's a, because they were willing to set their egos aside. They were willing to say, I can be better. I can do things better. It's like the superstar interview I did yesterday, guys, with a gal who's talking about brain elasticity. This is all the same thing, and this time of year, there's no better time of year to embrace the idea that no matter what's going – you're having the best year ever, the best everything ever. You are – all your stars are aligned. They're going to they're gonna write folk songs about you. You're so incredible, okay, whether you're at that point or whether you're basically completely and totally floundering. You're listening to us right now on your iPhone or your iPad, and you're in some shitty-ass warehouse stocking crates and wondering how the hell you're ever going to get out of this situation. No matter what end of the spectrum that you're on, guys – this is essentially your opportunity right now, the next 90 days, to really make a meaningful pivot. You've got to be willing to take actions that other people aren't willing to take when they're not willing to take them. Uh, we have never pulled our punches with you guys. We didn't pull our punches 18 months ago when we warned you a recession was coming. I promise you you're going to start seeing clear evidence of that over the next three or four months. You're going to see a lot of people they are going to go right into turtle mode. They're going to go right into deep fear mode. Don't let that happen to you. Don't follow them down the hole. Use your, this as your opportunity to be prepared uh, for the worst while we all hope for the best. But the truth is, is there's no question that the economy is changing. The truth is there's no question that what it took for you to have this best year ever, the skill set that you had, the relationships that you had, I hope those work for you in the same level going forward, but they're probably not going to. So if you want to replicate or if you want to get out of that warehouse, if you want to actually turn things around for yourself, it's about the actions you take. You guys can listen to us till the cows come home, and I appreciate the I appreciate you listening, but I'm I'm not going to lie to you. Unless you're willing to do something with the information, you're not going to go anywhere. Your life is going to stay the same. Of course it will. So hopefully we've motivated you guys today. If you're paying attention, I'm quite confident we educated you. Now, as always, it's up to you to get into action. If there's ever anything. Julie and I can do it for you. Please email us directly. My email address is Tim at Tim and Julie And Julie is Julie at Tim and Julie Coaching clients, please log in ASAP. We've uh, completely and totally updated information. It's a brand new website, new experience. Check it out. Let us know what you think. If any of you ever need us for anything, email us directly. We're always here for you guys. We believe in all of you. We know that this is going to be, if you choose for it, to be the best market of your life, the best opportunity of your life. And we do 100% believe that this is the best industry that all of you guys can ever be involved in. So the truth is, is you're in the right place at the right time. Now it's up for you to start. It's up to you to start taking the right actions. Anytime, listeners, that you need us for anything, ask for help. Don't forget that. It, that's basically our mission, our professional mission in life is to be here for all of you. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. 
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.